The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who have gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm bilingual, but instead of a foreign language, I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military. I've used this unique skill to help thousands of veterans, and today I want to help you navigate the hidden opportunities and unseen risks you may face during your own transition from the military. This is the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. What happened is that I transitioned into going back to my law enforcement job and having a purpose of giving back to the military community as a consultant. Doing those uh, small pivots, Mm -hmm. small pivots instead of a huge one at the end and be in a chaotic environment. So I started, I kept giving the Air Force my 100%. And I started also taking care of me and what my tomorrow was going to look like after the uniform. On today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, we are honored to welcome Erica Kelly. Erica Kelly is a retired Command Chief Master Sergeant, where in her 32-year career, she rose to be one of the top three enlisted leaders in the United States Air Force. As the 17th Command Chief Master Sergeant for the Air Force Reserve Command and the Senior Enlisted Advisor to the Chief of the Air Force Reserve, she advised the Commander on human resources and staffing issues for 74,000 personnel serving at 60 military bases worldwide. Erica was also a criminal investigator for the Department of Homeland Security and Customs and Border Protection. Today, she is a professional speaker, executive coach, and trainer who specializes in speaking about resiliency, diversity and inclusion, domestic violence, and law enforcement. Today's episode of the podcast is a little bit different. We do talk about Erica's lessons learned, but we also talk a lot about the struggles she faced in her life, all the way back to being abandoned as a child that shaped her into the person she is today. 
I encourage you to stay to the end of this episode because the lesson Erica shares is one that can absolutely change the way you view your transition. Erica, thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm excited. Well, good. I think that makes two of us. So now this show is going to be a little bit different. Um, I often start my show by asking about your transition story, but I know you well enough to know that you have a pretty incredible personal story, personal life story that led up to you enlisting in the Air Force. Will you share a little bit about that with us? Uh, yes, Lori. Sometimes it is, it is very important to look back because some of those episodes in our lives are the reason why we are where we are today and for me to be in your room. Uh, my story starts not so good. It starts in a little shack in Guatemala with my two brothers and I. And I can tell you that to this day, I still remember the warm rain and my two brothers and I playing outside. And all that, Lori, changed when my mother um, walked away from us. And when she did so, she locked myself and my two brothers in, in this little shack that one day was our safe zone, the next day was a trap. And we were in complete darkness. Uh, I can tell you that we were there for about seven days before my grandmother rescued us. And the, sometimes I remember the horror that people showed in their faces when that door opened up and the adults came in. And I'm sharing this with you, Lori, because it has a lot to do with how I behave later. Mm -hmm. And as a five-year-old, I'm looking at these faces and they're in horror. So my mind thinks, oh, there's something wrong with me. And I remember to this day, I'm, I, was, I was trying to like clean up, clean up because right. I didn't want those adults to be ashamed of me. Um, and really, they were in horror of the situation that you were, were left in. horror of the situation, but I did not take it that way. I took right. it as I was not pleasing. Mm -hmm. I was not pleasing for them to see. And I started feeling ashamed and embarrassed and trying to fix myself somehow. Wow. I lived with my grandmother until the age of 12. There was an earthquake. Uh, that made the news in the States, in California, where my mother was already remarried with a little baby, my sister. And she told her husband she needed to go see her mom. Why her mom and not her kids? Mm -hmm. Well, she never told her husband she had three kids. Wow. So when my mom came back, she found us out in the street. Uh, the earthquake destroyed everything my grandma had and four sheets were our walls of security. That's when she made the decision to bring the three of us with her to the United States. And um, Lori, we walked. Yeah. We really walked from Guatemala all the way through Mexico, all the way to the American border. Wow. And um, it was just the four of us, really, really tough, uh, but I was full of anger. And I was full of resentment because this strange woman that just said, I'm taking you, I had no connection to her. So, and I'm sharing all this because it's emotional things that I was just boxing in. Mm -hmm. 
And once in the United States, Lori, because of that anger, because of that resentment, because of my mom not being able to be a good mom, I saw myself homeless at the age of 16 in the streets of Las Vegas. Wow. And I know that I'm talking about how did I get, right? How did I get mm-hmm. to the military? How did I get to the Air Force? Well, m- my story is, is that was the beginning, um, Laurie. That, that was the beginning of, of me realizing as a young lady, 16 years old, being homeless in Las Vegas. Wow. And you, I remember the story you told me, basically the Air Force was an escape for you, right? You enlisted to save your life, quite honestly, right? I know you, you went on to have uh, abusive relationships. And I think that your enlistment in the Air Force really did save you, right? And I remember when we talked, you told me a story of your first night in boot camp, standing at your cot, at the side of your cot. Can you tell me that story? No, no, absolutely. Um, I was, Lori, in a very abusive, escalating to maybe me um, dying, really. Mm-hmm. And um, I used the Air Force as an escape for survival, not realizing that I was going to spend 32 plus years in this <laughs> world. And I'm still, right, serving. I, I still am serving. But I remember that first night. And that first night, I, I'm staring at that nicely made bed, metal bed. (laughs) And it's chaotic, everybody's screaming. I hear some of the other ladies crying and uh, I see those instructors just walking back and forth, yelling and getting in your face. Lori, I was taking a deep breath. I don't remember, but I'm sure I was crying too. But my, my tears were not because I was confused. My tears were not because I, didn't want to be there. Right. Lori, my tears were because I was grateful. My tears were because I was, I was looking up. I saw all that chaotic things are going on around me. I'm looking up and I'm thanking God. I'm thanking God because that's the first, Lori, that's the first night that I wasn't going to be hit in a very long time. That was the first night that I was not going to be raped after getting hit in a very long time. Hmm. And that's the night that, um, I think I shared this with you before, Lori, but that's the night that I gave my word to the Air Force. That's the night that I told the Air Force that I was going to do everything I could to make myself better because I would not ever, right, have the Air Force be ashamed of selecting me as one of their own. And I think you made good on that promise based on the career that that you achieved, you know. I, I you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but like the the background and and the way that you grew up and the hardships that you faced, how do you feel like that has shaped the rest of your life? I think that it has shaped my my point, my perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, of how resiliency feels like, how being persistent feels mm-hmm. like. And sometimes we, we, we talk about resiliency as, oh, something's going to happen and you just bounce back 
and keep going forward. And um, life is not like that, Lori. We are not bouncy balls. No, 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 no. And life will hit you. Mm -hmm. Life Life will hit us. So what I tell people is that when you are going through a storm and you do end up on your knees, on your face, on the floor, stay there for a little while. Regroup where you are. Because sometimes we can get up pretty fast and go, okay, that hurt, but let's go. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the hit is so hard that we need to just stay, we we need to stay put. Can I move? Yes. Okay, let's move a little. Can, Can I get up? Yes. Is there a table? Can I hold on to something? Can I hold on to someone that can give me some help? Get up. Can I walk? No, not, not yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, just, just stand, learn, pivot, change, adjust. Can I walk now? Yes, only one step. Mm-hmm. And on and on and on. And sometimes we think that resiliency is the same for everybody and it's not true. No. We don't have to fit that mold, do we, of the way everyone else does it, right? No. Mm -hmm. No. So um, I think that being able to see the worst and the best of what love and chaotic relationships and toxic um, environments look like have given me a really nice balance to, to smile. And to be grateful for what I have now and to be grateful for the people, good, bad, or ugly, the people that have touched my life. Right. Because even the the bad experiences made you who you are today. I wish you didn't have to live through them. Maybe you could be just a little bit less awesome today, but (laughs) but again, it did, it did shape you. And I, I truly believe that it's our, our viewpoint on what happens to us that shapes whether it makes us stronger or it breaks us. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And, and Lori, it's a process, mm-hmm. right? You and I are talking today and I mean, we're talking about it from the perspective of today, but I can tell you that in my life, I think I shared anger, resentment, confusion, right? Um, a little bit of rebellion, a little bit of why me? Mm-hmm. Why me? And not until I switched that, not until I switched that and I asked myself, why not me? Did I not start moving forward uh, into yeah. my purpose? I, I really like your perspective on when you fall down. Everyone says, when you fall down, get right back up. I love your perspective on why don't take a minute, right? Take, assess. How did I get here? Can I move forward? Should I move forward immediately? Should I change my directions, right? You, you reminded me of a story when I was 12, my dad got a wild hair and decided he was going to move us to Texas and we were going to buy a ranch and become cattle ranchers. My dad was a mechanic, by the way. He didn't have experience as a cattle rancher. We had 400 acres and I had a horse and uh, I was out riding my horse by myself far out in the the property Uh and the saddle started to slide. 
And as the saddle slid, the horse ran faster and I fell off hard. And I remember when I fell to the ground, I jumped right back up. And I wonder, like, you know, as you thought about that, I'm like, you know, I really should have assessed, could I get up? Because I, as a kid, as a 12 year old, I had back problems for a quite a long time. And I, I just, you know, I wonder if I did myself more damage by jumping up and, you know, graph, I was afraid the horse was going to run away. No, once I fell off, she stopped. She was eating grass, right? <laughs> so she didn't need me to jump up and grab her. And, you know, I, it just reminds me of, I think that perspective is so refreshing because it is not what people typically say to someone who falls. And I oh, love and that. Thank you, Lori. And one of the things too is just remember if life hits you with something and you don't assess and pivot or move or adjust and you just keep getting up in the same position, in the same spot, then that life lesson is going to keep hitting you and hitting you and hitting you because you're, you're meeting it. Right. Instead of you know, in law enforcement, right? Blading a little bit, you blade so the hit misses you so then you can move forward. Yeah, I think that's great. It's like almost like life is that swinging pendulum of a wrecking ball and we just keep getting up and getting hit by that wrecking ball. Yes. And if we Thanks. just keep getting up in the same place, I, I love that analogy. That's amazing. Thank <laughs> you for that. Um, so you've had a lot of transitions in your life. Um, yeah, once. <laughs> but in the last what two years, I guess you've made two different transitions first retiring from the air force and then also retiring from federal law enforcement. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your transition story. When you ended your military career, how did that process go for you? I think I was very intentional, very, very intentional about my transition from the military. I knew that that uniform had been part of my life, maybe different colors, but the uniform had been <laughs> right. part of me for uh, decades. And I needed to find a purpose. That's where I found the certification of becoming a public speaker, a coach, and a trainer. So mm -hmm. maybe two or three years before I retired from the Air Force, I was already planning and I was already taking steps forward to then becoming uh, what I do today, which is mm -hmm. to own my business and to start coaching and to start training people. If I would have not done that, Lori, I think I would have been lost a little bit. But what happened is that I transitioned into going back to my law enforcement job and having a purpose of giving back to the military community as a consultant. Okay. So you were able to, it was almost a uh, bit by bit, a slow process of, of transitioning, wasn't it? You yeah. Had a uh, bit of a step by one. step. Yeah. Um, and, and doing those uh, small pivots, mm -hmm. small pivots instead of a huge one at the end and be in a chaotic environment. So I started, I kept giving the Air Force my 100%. And I started also taking care of me and what my tomorrow was going to look like after the uniform. Mm -hmm. 
I think we all know that, you know, any, anyone who serves in the military knows that their time will come to an end, right? There is higher tenure for everything, right? Yes. So I think that oftentimes though, it does take us by surprise, doesn't it? I, I talk to a lot of people, they're like, well, I, I really didn't think about what I wanted to be after the military because I was living in the moment of being in the military. So how did you, you talked about you up to two years before you transitioned, you'd started building your business and identifying the direction you wanted to go and gathering certifications. So take me through that process of just kind of discovering your purpose and building that business. Uh, My purpose has always been people. Mm -hmm. Once I realized that I did not need to be ashamed of my scars, that I didn't have to be frustrated because things did not go my way. Once mm-hmm. I learned that I wasn't alone, if that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> um, I was then able to be very open, very open to sharing my story and allowing others to share theirs. Um, Lori, I need to confess that I spent many, many years. My first years in the military were all about hiding, all about not telling people, mm-hmm. because I truly believed that if they knew who I was, they would ask me to leave. They would say, you don't belong here. Get out of the room. <laughs> so I, I hid. Yeah. I, I hid my truth. And when people would ask me, Lori, people ask, right? I would be part of panels and people would ask, what, you know, what made you come into the military? I would say what everybody else would say. Oh, because they helped me with my education. It was a great opportunity. And I fell in love with my career. So I stayed. And that was my standard answer until I decided no more. I will, I will talk about that bed. I will talk about uh, the, the situation of running down an alley, just holding on to whatever I could to keep dress because I had my husband, the person that loved me the most, or he said, chasing me down an alleyway and being stopped by the police and a police officer taking his own coat off and putting it on me, Lori, and saying, Erica, if you don't do something to save yourself, we're going to find you dead. Hmm. How did you find the courage to start talking about that, to being open about it? Because, I mean, obviously, we know you have courage based on everything you've accomplished and lived through, but that takes a special bit of bravery, doesn't it, to, to, be, to open up and say, here's who I really am. I, I think I, I needed to see it from someone else's. Remember how I told you about the eyes of those adults when they walked into their room to rescue right. us when we were kids? I saw something in that police officer's eyes that took me outside of me and it placed me outside for me to be almost like an outsider looking at the conditions that I was in mm-hmm. because I really, Lori, I really thought that it was normal. I really, all that chaos with my husband, I really thought it was normal because you know, right. You know, my past, right. So, I don't know what good looks like. Right. I don't know what good looks like. So that officer allowed me to, for one second, 
realized that I needed to change, that it was possible for me to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, that was really the first step forward to me finding a venue to go to a recruiter and to take a test and for the recruiter to go, you passed. And I'm like, I passed? What do you mean <laughs> I have value? What do you mean the Air Force wants me? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> and then I got okay. that travel to Lackland and I'm in that, and I'm in that room. Now I'm in that room staring at a bed saying, thank you. Yeah, amazing. You obviously haven't always been as open as you are today about your background, about what you've lived through. Um, how has opening that, those doors, right? And how is talking about your background, how has that helped you be successful, do you think? I mean, me telling my story, me being able to share my journey, good, bad, and ugly, right? There's not a lot of people that can, that can say, um, I did this in the military, or I did that in a, a federal law enforcement agency. Awesome. But if people only see those two things, then they're, they're missing everything mm-hmm. because the journey is everything. They're getting up early, they're signing up for school, they're doing the homework. All those little baby things is what then drives us to be successful. Sometimes we celebrate the graduations, but the yeah. graduations are just one day of doing all the things that we need to do. Um, people help me, Lori, going back to your question. Mm-hmm. People help me tell my story because the first time I did it, <laughs> I was on a panel and there's about 300 people in the audience. And after I told my story, all the panel members, all my peers were quiet and the whole audience was quiet, quiet. And I thought, oh God, what did I just what did I just do? And then came the hugs and then came the whispers in my ear. Me too. I know someone. I remember this young man coming up to me, hugging me and telling me that he and his mother hid for years because she had been in a very similar situation as mine. And he was going to go home, Hispanic, young man, he was going to go home and he was going to tell his mom my story in order for her to know that there was other women like her in the world. Do you remember that day that you, the first time you told that story, do you remember that day making a conscious decision? Like today I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it, and it was that question that I had had for years. Mm-hmm. What made you come into the military? And there's a panel of us and everyone's saying school, everyone's saying, I wanted, you know, I'm a woman and I wanted to prove myself and different things. And then it got to me and something inside me said, I'm not today. Today, I'm going to talk about Scott. Scott was my, or is, I don't know, um, my <laughs> husband. 
Got it. And I and and I said I'm and I I started by saying I I joined the I joined the Air Force because of Scott, and then I went on with the story. Yeah. I yeah. bet there was not a dry eye in that room. <laughs> they were, Lori, they were quiet, quiet. I was, yeah. I was like, uh-oh. How far into your Air Force career was that? Um, I was already a chief. You were, okay. Yeah, so you'd already reached your the E-9 rank. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. I'm sure there were many surprised people that day. You know, they, they hadn't obviously hadn't heard that story, but I think it's amazing that you had the courage to tell it. So I appreciate you sharing late. it with us. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's never too late. Never too late, Lori, to keep moving forward. Yeah. So as you've, you know, you've made the transition both out of federal law enforcement and out of the Air Force. What What has been the biggest surprises for you since leaving the military, since leaving federal law enforcement? Well, for the military, the biggest surprise was time. Remember how I said, oh, two, three years, um, being certified, this or that? Right. Lori, I didn't take care of myself. I, I did not. I went through the mandatory transition programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, no disrespect, no disrespect. But what I got through that specific mandatory transition program was websites and emails and lectures that did not teach me as a person mm-hmm. how to reset my mind to transition from the military. Also, what happened was that my calendar was so full and I kept running. I never stopped, Lori, to truly take care of myself, meaning right. all the medical things we have to do, uh, the all the emails that we need <laughs> to save somehow because once we don't have access to our military email, all that, all that goes away. Yeah. I was not prepared for that. So I think that was my biggest surprise from the military, but I ran out of time to really, truly take care of me as a retiree. Even so, though you started quite a ways back, right? So you started I, at least two years and you still feel like you ran out of time and you were really well prepared for it. So yes, yes. Um, I, I prepared in one venue, but I didn't prepare in a lot of other venues. Yep. Okay. Uh, taking my leave did not take any leave. Uh, taking care of my medical, I did not take care of my medical. Uh, it, it was, I have a whole list of things that I could have done better. And that's one of the reasons why I now help facilitate a transition program that helps members of the military and their spouses transition from military to civilian because I, I have the scars to prove it. Uh, right. My transition from law enforcement was much, much easier only because of lessons learned. Right. You learned from your military transition. So it was a little bit of a smoother process, right? Yeah. So, okay. I still miss the uniform, Laurie. <laughs> I do. I mean, yeah. I still miss the uniform. I don't miss the headaches. I don't miss the red tape. But um, the people, my goodness. Anytime that I get a chance to talk to military folks, we, we share the same DNA. Yep. Yeah. That is very true. I think that um, it sounds like you've built a business that allows you to do that, right? You've built a business that allows you to continue to serve, to continue to educate, 
to um, continue to give back. Um, I've heard you as a keynote speaker at a military event. Um, I know you said you help facilitate, is it the Leader Transition Institute? It is. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yes. And, um, and so can you give us just a little bit of an overview of the business that you've built and what you do? Yes, um, super simple, Lori. Uh, my business is all about four things. Okay. So I speak, I coach, and I also train, I consult businesses on how to move forward. And I also do personality and behavior assessments. And that consists of me giving back to my local community, giving back to the military, but also being able to make a living doing what I love, which is to communicate, to teach leadership, and to spend time with individuals that are hungry to learn. And with individuals that understand, like I do, that there's no finish line, Lori. Mm -hmm. There's no finish line in, in learning. There's no finish line in being better. There's no finish line in you giving a hand to someone else that needs it. Yep. Okay. If someone uh, wanted to reach out to you for, uh, as a keynote speaker, as a, um, as a trainer, how would they get a hold of you in your business? Absolutely. Thanks, Lori, for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I am in LinkedIn. I also have a uh, business uh, Facebook page, and I also have a website that okay. people can um, get a hold of me. My, the name of my business is Erica Kelly Enterprises. Okay. I'll put a link to all three of those in the show notes so that people can reach out to you if they have opportunities. Because I think that uh, I can only imagine what an amazing keynote speech you would give just based on our short snippet today of your story. So, and what you've achieved as, as we talked about in your intro of, uh, you know, your, your Air Force career. So um, as we wrap up today, I want you to think about the biggest lessons that you've learned, whether it be through your career or your post-military career that you've built, what are some lessons that you think would be important for transitioning service members to hear that you've learned? Yes, I think that we need to own our emotions. And I know that emotions are a soft skill. That's what they're called, soft skill. Mm -hmm. But sometimes in the military, we, we box everything up. We have to. Right. Because the mission needs to keep going. Uh, whatever we're doing needs to keep going. So we box everything up. As we go through transition, this is one of the biggest things that anyone that can hear me now needs to please, please hear me. And that is that the military did a magnificent job at reprogramming us. Right. And we need to then relearn, relearn. We are the 1%. And when we transition out, somehow, don't know why, we expect for that 99% to understand us, <laughs> to speak our language, right. to know exactly where we're coming from. And that doesn't happen, Lori. Right. We are the ones 
that need to be proud of the amazing career that we have had, even if we retire or if we're separating, it doesn't matter. You are part of that 1%. And I know that some people go, oh, 1%. I'm tired of hearing that. But guess what? <laughs> you are, we are. Yeah. But when we transition, we need to understand that we need to relearn and we need to reprogram some of those tapes that we, we have in our mind yeah. for, then, for us to then assimilate to that 99% that loves us, mm -hmm. wants to give us a chance, yep. but they don't understand us unless we go to where they are and we start walking that path. That is very true. It would be if, if you went to a foreign country and you didn't speak their language and you expected them all to learn your language so that they could, you know, sell you bread or, you know, get, check you into the hotel or whatever the case may be. Um, you will always be a veteran. You will always have served, but you can't continue serving. And so now it's time to focus on what's coming next. And like you said, the next step will most likely require you to change your approach, right? Change your thinking and change the way you communicate. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it. So thank you for that. Are there any other lessons that you wanted to share? I didn't want to cut I you off. I think that we have had a, a fantastic conversation. I just want to just say one thing. And it doesn't matter where you are in life. Your present conditions do not reflect your future. And you are, my friends, you are fully resourced. You have everything you need to be successful, to be significant, and to be transformational. I have nothing that I can add to that statement. That was amazing. Erica, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and your lessons, whether it be from your time as a five-year-old or your time as a transitioning Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force. So I appreciate you and I'm so thankful that you came on and shared that with us today. Thank you, Lori. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lessons Learned for Vets. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help smooth your path during your transition from the military, then I have done my job. If you haven't already, please click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share our podcast with your friends. Connect with me on LinkedIn and join the Lessons Learned for Vets Facebook community to tell me what lesson you learned today. See you next time.